For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. y'all welcome into another episode of believe in kentucky brought to you courtesy of the believe podcast network alongside the uk hall of famer double zero tony duck my name is Vinny hardy what's going on td hey nothing much man just happy to have our our special guest on yeah we got another gentleman on here with us this evening we have some guests on from time to time gonna do it more often he played at a high level just like you could fill it up just like you one of the reasons Gonzaga is on the map like it is is because what he did back in the early 2000s. We got Dan Dickow, 2002 WCC Player of the Year. Welcome to Believe in Kentucky, Dan. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for having me, uh, guys. Vinny, nice to meet you. Tony, <clears throat> excuse me, nice to reconnect. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I've had, a, I've had a chance to go back to Kentucky. It was two years ago. I was uh, doing a broadcast for Westwood One. I had never been to Rupp Arena. I didn't know what to expect. Auburn, I think, was top 10 at the time. Kentucky right. was, I think, 15. They were on a winning streak. Phenomenal atmosphere. Right. Uh, I can't wait to get back at some point. It was great. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a different different feel, you know, because even as a player, when you go back as, a, as an analyst, you know, it really kind of changes, you know, because even as I was doing stuff for the um, SEC Network, it was so important just to go back and, and sit down and really just, I would say, soak in just how much love the Kentucky fans have for basketball there. You know, and I never thought about it as a player because once you're on that court, you know, Dan can attest to this. I mean, you just locked in. You know, you're not really concerned about what's going on in the, in the stands and what people are saying. You know, you're just really working, trying to be the best teammate you can be. So when you come back to Rupp, man, I mean, it's, it's something special because of, you know, when you see all the – you see the banners, you see the retired jersey, it really reminded me of when I made it to the uh, NBA and I got a chance to play for the Boston Celtics was, um, you know, just looking up at those rafters, man. And, and some of those players that, you know, we grew up watching and we heard about, you know, those are retired players, you know, from the, you know, from the NBA. So that was special. But, Dan, I want to ask you a question. You know, we talked a little bit about your son uh, before we started this telecast, but what's – um. What have you been teaching them about the game of basketball? You know, I think that's a really good question because um, I, I think one thing with t- teaching the game to uh, kids who are starting to learn it. My son's 14. He's, he's uh, an eighth grader who's played on a, a team of, of kids that are going into high school for the past six, seven years. He, he's always been a little on the smaller side, but he's loved the game. He's, he understands the game. His IQ is really good. The thing that I've always really tried to emphasize with him as well as the kids on his team is one, you got to love it to be great. If you have a passion for it, you're going to work at it. 
And once you do that on your own, once you work on it on your own, um, you've got a chance to, to do something really special. And that might be at the high school level and be a starter and get to college if those are your goals. But the biggest things I think as far as what you're kind of touching on is the, the, the small details, the small fundamentals that make a huge difference. Um, and right. that's the footwork and that's the being able to shoot it, being able to pass it. Now mm. I look at your career. You're you're about six three, Tony, if I remember right. So just a little bit bigger than me. Man, I, hey Dan, I wish I was six six one, but I had I have these long arms though, man. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so I was getting to the long arms next, and the yeah. ability to elevate with probably about yeah. a forty inch vertical drop. Right. But you have been a small guy like myself, who was just at six eight. You have to rely on scouts as well as through experience of going through open gyms against bigger, better, stronger, more physical players. But what right. you've also had to figure out and rely on is your skill set. And those, to mm -hmm. me, have always come down to footwork, the ability to shoot it, and ball handling. And ball handling, I, I, it, to me, it's passing, and it's dribbling, and it's catching. Three things that are so overlooked in the game these wow. days. Because uh, if, if you're a point guard, if you're a point guard and you can't handle the ball and get to an entry area for an offense, your coach can't play you. If you're a big guy who can't catch an entry pass, coach can't play. If you're a wing who can't come off a pin down with their hands ready, catch it, and quickly get into their, their jump shot with both good footwork as well as the ability to have their, their, their hands in the right position on the ball upon the catch, mm -hmm. you're going to slow everything down. Right. Um, and then right. just passing in general. I mean, I think that's – I don't want to call it a lost art, but the guys who can truly pass the ball – separate themselves very Ooh. quickly hey, hey 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 you said something there man you know what i wish you was here to speak to my kid just about you know the, the ball handling, being able to break down the defense making the game easy for your teammates and uh my seventh grade team just played in a championship game against this well oil machine from uh, my home state of tennessee and what they did was you know they were so organized and when I mean organized, you know, they came back. If they didn't have anything in transition, they ran a set. So my team who wanted to play, you know, open court, freelance basketball, say, listen, here's a problem. When you haven't guarded organized basketball, you can't defend it. And I knew they couldn't defend it, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, when I watch the team play, I said, man, that's the team that I'm trying to work towards as I build my program, you know, and I'm going to start with my younger kids because you can break the habits of younger kids but it's hard to break a 12 and 13 year old kid that's been stuck in, in his own mind of being really good. But like you said about the footwork, uh, the hand position, getting to the crease of the defense, being able to catch the ball. And you try and explain it, tell a 14, 15 year old kid that it's kind of hard because they're like, well, I'm always gonna go back to what has always felt comfortable to me. Yeah, those are some really good points. I, I think one of the other things that I, I think we can kind of expand on is, you know, each year as those kids get older, as the, the, the group you're coaching, the group that I've coached, you can add different things to them each year as far mm -hmm. as wrinkles in an offensive set or a philosophy defensive. You know, maybe one year you're only guarding a pick and roll one or two ways. The next year you can add it. But the biggest thing has to be that the core of what you're teaching to those young kids has to be translatable to whatever high school program that they go to. And so that's one reason that I always come back to your, 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 your footwork, your ball handling, and your shooting. 
It doesn't mm. matter what defensive and offensive scheme an AAU team runs, as long as they're getting better individually to prepare them for high school. Now, my one right. big caveat that I can't stand is zone defense at the AAU level. And I have <laughs> always said that in those formative years, you know, all the way up until high school, everything should be man-to-man. You teaches kids how to compete. It teaches kids how to have individual responsibility on the offensive end for spacing, defensively for guarding the person in front of you, and you're not hiding some people like you might in a 2-3 zone. Or the other fact that at right. a young age, a kid can't skip a pass 40 feet across the court on time on target to give somebody an open, open three on the other end. Once they get right. to high school, I think it's hands-off. And unfortunately, not enough parents or AAU coaches look that way. It should be hands-off. And the coach at the high school level should have the ability to run the system or, or the philosophy that they see fit. Okay. I was just, you know, doing a little research on you, Dan, before you came on. You know, there's some, some common traits between the two. I wasn't even looking for that. You know, you both play for the Celtics. You both play for the Mavericks, things of that nature. You both have basketball academies that you both run. So if, you both have touched on it already, but what is the core foundation of, that's vital to run a successful basketball academy uh, in both of y'all's mind? Yeah, so I've, I'll jump in really quick, Tony. Uh, when I lived in Vancouver, Washington, right when I was done playing, um, I, I had 12 AAU teams. I ran tournaments. We ran some leagues. Um, when we moved to Spokane, uh, eight years ago, I decided I didn't want to do teams anymore other than coach my kids teams. I I just wanted to focus on, uh, smaller group workouts. And to me, that freed me up to be able to not have to be looked at as the parent or the AAU program director who's trying to recruit kids. Because at the end of the day, my big thing is, is I've always wanted to share knowledge of the the game that I love. Um, Right with other people who want it, you know, you could take it or leave it if what I'm telling you, but you know, I think I have a pretty good knowledge base and experience in the game. I know Tony does obviously. So he would probably have, you know, the the ability to share things with others in his area that others just don't have that knowledge base and the experience with. And I think you touched on it. You know, a lot of it is, you know, cause when you've played it, like, you have to be passionate about it, you know, for me to really, although I'm, I'm sharing my, my wealth of knowledge with you. And then you have a couple of kids that really are passionate as, you know, as we were as kids and even in high school, high, uh, in high school and on the collegiate level. And when you can find those kids, I mean, you really want to pour more information to those kids. And then you have other kids that just like basketball and it's a sport for them to do just for them to pass time. And when you come across those kids, it's like, how do you influence this kid to be a, a team player? But how do you get the most out of that kid? So that's where some of my struggle come, come with some of these kids that go from baseball to basketball to football, and then they miss four or five months of basketball, and then they come back. And I say, you, you left as an average player, and you came back a below-average player. So now we got to catch you up to speed. So as soon as we kind of catch them up to speed, then the next sport is starting. So I told a parent uh, just yesterday, I said, you know what? It's, your, your son is, is okay in basketball. I don't know how he is in football, but if you're really gonna be great at this sport, it'd be really good to maybe get a scholarship or make a high school basketball team. 
I said, you got to start making – you got to make a decision at 13 or 14, is it going to be basketball or is it going to be baseball? I said, because if you're 50% in baseball, you're 50% in basketball, I said, then you're giving us half. And you're half, you're half a player. So I just try to break it down to him and be honest with, with him. I told his parents the same thing. So really it's understanding and seeing who the kid is and seeing if he really wants it as bad, not as bad as I want. I said, your parents are always going to be more successful than them, and they're going to see their kid as being something great and special. I said, but for us who played at the highest level, we know what it takes. Yeah, I think you're, you're right on with about the age that I, that I tell people, hey, if you want to go to one sport at that time, that's great. And that's right about the eighth grade or freshman year in high school. Um, you know, I, and I, the reason I say this is because I think you might say you love the game of basketball at eight, nine years old, and two weeks later, because you had a good baseball game, say you love the game of baseball. <laughs> I think you have to give yourself the ability to be coached in different sports and have successes right. and failures in each different sport until you truly at that age know that you love the game. You know, I, for, for example, I played baseball and soccer until I was 12. I loved basketball more than the others, but I still played them until 12. Right. Um, when I knew for hundred percent sure, I didn't want to take the two hours that I missed at baseball practice, wishing I was on the basketball court. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I did play a little bit of golf my freshman, sophomore year in high school. But then right when your recruiting started picking up in my case, I was like, well, you know what? I like golf, but that's not going to get me to where I want to be. Right. So I quit golf and I took those two and a half hours each afternoon uh, to prepare myself for basketball season. And so I, I think you're right. Is you got to love it. It has to come from you. Um, yes. And if, and, if, and if that truly is the case, you're going to spend the time regardless, and you're probably going to make the decision on your own that I want to be in the gym as opposed to be on the baseball field or on the football mm. field. Right, right. And I, I think that is key. And I think, you know, even with, you know, as I have my kids, you know, I never forced basketball on them. I was like, you know, it, it's something – it has to be a decision that, that you want to do. And when you come to me as, as one, of, one of my daughters were to say, hey, Dad, I really want to play basketball, you know, then that's when I'll start making time and I'll say, hey, you know what, this is what it's going to take. Are you really, do you really want to play? Because I'm going to coach you hard. You know? And that's the one thing I tell my parents is that you know, running a program, you know, I don't want to coach kids unless one of my coaches are not there. I, say, I don't mind stepping in. You know, I, want to be the, I want to be the director where you can come to me. And on top of that, you can't come to, to someone, and like I said, we don't know everything about basketball, but we know a lot. So when you come to me, I tell them, I say, give us, give us a couple of days to kind of, you know, give coaches a day or two, you know, just to relax, you know, just to think about the game, you know, the game itself. I say, because there's so much going on. And in our minds, you know, our minds are still racing. It's like after an NBA game or playoff game is that you're not going right to sleep. Like you're thinking about what you could have done differently, how I could have helped the team out. So it, it, it would always take me three or four hours to wind down. And I'm kind of like that now when I watch a playoff game. Like, it takes me an hour and a half just to wind down because I'm so hyped about watching the game and, you know, kind of dissecting the game. Okay, I would have done this. Well, what, what should – Doc Rivers should have maybe have done this right here. You know, if, what, what if Kawhi Leonard – so I'm always thinking as a player, but also, you know, having coached four or five years, I'm thinking as a coach. So it, it's, it's interesting – when I tell people how, you know, basketball minds, how we operate and what things that we kind of think about. And uh, so even going back to the parents, you know, I like to share 
some of my stories with them as far as like, hey, you know what? Basketball is hard work. Are you willing to do that every day and not just be a part-time player looking for full-time benefits? And I say, that's what most players want. They want to they play part-time. They want to practice part-time, but want to play all the minutes and take all the shots. I say the game doesn't work like that. Yeah. yeah. I've always looked at, uh, you know, youth basketball. And it, it, it's actually an example from the NBA on down. It's not equal opportunity. The best players need to get the most shots. They should have the ball in their hands the most. And it kind of just trickles down from there where, unfortunately, a lot of times these parents, you know, they're counting shots in the stands. Well, that kid got eight shots. My kid needs eight shots. Okay, well, <laughs> let's get better so he can create eight shots. Or yes. maybe go find a way defensively to get a steal and get an easy one in transition or get on the offensive glass. So I, I like the way you're thinking. I, th- I think we have a lot of similar uh, thought process when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the philosophies, you know, are, are something that you learn. Uh, Mark Few was your coach, right? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, just a highly intelligent coach, kind of like, like Coach Patino, man. I, of all my coaches, I think when I went to college, I learned so much from him. And being a scorer in high school, I got a chance from him to learn to be a two-way player, you know, because, you know, I always believed in high school, you know, when you average like 37, 38 points a game, my offense is my defense. <laughs> and that's what I believed. And I was like, man, listen, okay, that's cool, but I'm going to get you 37, 38 points. And he told me, he was like, listen, he said, in order for you to have a career, you got to be able to guard. And he said, also, you got to be able to play without the ball. And I said, man, you know, that's – so that was the toughest thing for me, you know, transitioning from high school – to college was I always had the ball in my hand. And for the first time I got to Kentucky, the ball was going through Jamal Mashburn. So like you said, learning, you know, the pin down, the stagger screens, those are things I had to get good at, you know, because I wasn't getting those touches. You know, when you, when you are the best player and you, and you said this, which is so true. And I think our parents don't understand it. The best player probably gonna get the most shots. That is, that is a true statement. The truest statement that I've ever seen. And even as I took 15, let's say 20, 25 shots in high school, my parents, they might have been they might have been upset, but they couldn't complain because at the end of the day, they know their son couldn't do it. And when you have a player that can do it, you, sometimes you got to say, "Hey, man, that player is better than my son." And you know that's the reason why he's taking all these shots. And if you're making them shots, what can what what, what can you possibly say to that player or, or to his parents? You know. And the great thing about me as a as a high school player was I had older parents, so my parents were never in the stand, so no one could ever talk about what I was doing, even if they did, my mom and dad never heard it. So that was the luxury that I had having older parents. And when I left the gym, my brother would take me home and we would talk basketball, you know, from the car ride to, until uh, I got to the house. And when I walked into my house, mom and dad never talked about basketball. So there was never really a lot of pressure on me to go out there and perform and do things with my mom and dad watching. So, you know, I, I figured it out early. And we are rolling along like we always do, yo. As always, you can go straight to Believe.com and listen to each and every episode. We appreciate y'all listening. Or go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, CastBox, wherever you get your podcasts and listen at your convenience. Dan is also a member of the Believe Podcast Network like we are. See the scorebook live swag that you got on, the, the shirt and hat. And you also host the ISO with Dan Dickow on Believe Podcast Network. So tell us about the podcast you have. I was listening to a few episodes today at work, man, and hey, good stuff. 
Yeah, I appreciate uh, you guys asking me to join uh, the, the fellow Believe podcast show that you guys host. You know, when, when this coronavirus pandemic kind of hit, uh, my work with Scorebook Live, we had to get creative in what we wanted to do. Our main focus is high school sports. Um, and we've done a state of Washington high school sports podcast for almost two years with two other journalists. Well, when the pandemic hit, uh, I began doing one podcast release a day. And it could be front office executive coaches, players um, at the high school, college or pro level. And then it became something where we put that in the Believe Podcast Network. We're now releasing three conversations uh, a week. Tony, at some point, I'd love to have you be one of my guests today. Absolutely. We'll make this that morning, happen. Yeah, for sure. We'll get, we'll get connected on an email and find a time in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we released an uh, interview with Eric Musselman just yesterday. Today, I had uh, Pepperdine head coach Lorenzo Romar as a guest. Um, we've had Jamal Crawford. We've had um, you know, a number of different players and coaches. It's been fun because kind of like Tony, you and I played against each other probably, I think our careers overlapped for about four years, maybe five. Yeah. So we probably played against each other 10, 12 times and right. didn't know you more than in passing. Hey, how you doing? Good luck tonight. Uh, and Or in my case, take it easy on me tonight where, you know, <laughs> now getting a chance to uh, talk with you a little bit, love hearing your philosophy and what you're doing. Right. Back to the game. It's fun. It's been fun to reconnect with guys in a different way uh, than I had in the past. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, like you said, you know, just really sharing the sharing the knowledge. And, you know, now that we've gotten older, I mean, I, I think we see the game totally different, you know, and not to say we didn't see it differently as a player. But now we can look at it, you know, at, in a different lens than when we played and not to be so critical with where guys are at and I'm a real big stickler when it comes to as we talked about the footwork the passing just just the basic fundamentals of basketball I, I think what this generation has done a lot of is watch highlights you know we really had to watch game we had to become you know students of the game and it's hard for me to tell this generation I can tell them what we did but I'm not sure they can apply because they're not used to it they know that mindset is I can only watch something for five minutes. Like, so I'm watching clips. But, you know, when you coach, like, you have to watch games because now that next day you have to go out there and, you know, conduct. You have to have a, do a scouting report. So you have to know sets. You have to know underneath, out of bounds, side out of bounds plays. You have to know, like, the first five half-court plays. And, and that's what I told them. I say there's a lot to basketball that you haven't even, haven't even touched yet. So when you have a coach – or someone who's really trying to teach you the basic fundamentals, I say, listen, that's going to last and stay with you forever. Even as you get to 35, 40, if you're still playing basketball, I say underhand layup, coming to a jump stop, making a pass to someone's hands, you know, uh, playing good defense, knowing the angles, guard boxing elbows. I say there, there's more to scoring. But these kids right now, everybody, because their parents are constantly screaming, shoot the ball. I said, but you can't even shoot the ball. So when you come in the gym and the first thing you do is you start shooting threes, I'm like, you know what? That's somebody who is already sold on, I got to be a three-point shooter, but you can't make consecutive shots. I said, how about start out making layups? Because right now, I see more missed layups than threes. I said, because that's the easiest shot that you're going to get. And when you drive to the basket, I say, that's all concentration and not worrying about getting your shot blocked. But when I've taken that, that underhand layup or overhand floater thousands of times, I know the results. I'm going to miss some, but I should make more 
that I miss if I practice on enough. And it's really not enough time spent in my eyes uh, on the basic fundamentals of basketball. So when you were with when you were with the Zags, and you know y'all had great teams out there, and Mark Few has been a a stellar coach. He's done such a phenomenal job with you know getting you guys you know to the championship game, and you know have really developed the right players. But also he has a great culture and. How do you guys fit into his culture when he recruits you guys and he brings you in? Like, what is this, what is this selling pitch to get you to want to be a Zag? Well, the thing with Coach Few is he's, a, he's got a tremendous eye for evaluating talent. Um, and obviously it's the, the, easy, the easy things to evaluate now are the athleticism, can he shoot it, you know, those things. He does a really nice job of evaluating talent as far as does the kid love the game? Is he going to – his evaluation goes as deep as is he going to fit our culture that we've already had? Mm. Because there's been times that he's had – there's been recruits on campus and the current team has said, no, we don't want this guy. He doesn't fit. <laughs> um, so he empowers the players that are currently on the roster as well to kind of have some say in it. Now, with Gonzaga making that big jump and getting that national title game that you, you mentioned, you, he's gone from having the ability to recruit a lot of the really good players on the West Coast, having to mm -hmm. find some of the hidden gems, you know, having a great connection to, to European uh, prospects. Now he's recruiting McDonald's All-American type guys, which yeah. is you throw that level of player to begin with in the – player development and the culture and the, the, the winning mentality at Gonzaga. Now you're seeing them being truly a top five, top 10 program year in, year out. I mean, they just lost on uh, one of the top three players in, in the country, a kid from Seattle. Um, he ended up deciding to go to Duke. You can't fault the kid for going to Duke, right? But Gonzaga was one of his final schools. And so now the last piece of the evolution with Coach Few in, in the program is Getting those guys. And I think they made a big breakthrough last year. There's a point guard from, from Minneapolis. His name is Jalen Suggs. He'll be, uh, he'll be a freshman this year. You know, he wasn't mm -hmm. McDonald's All-American, even though they played the game last year. By all accounts, he's kind of that one-and-done type of talent. Oh. Um, and I'm looking forward to finally getting a chance to see him, um, which I haven't been able to, obviously, with all these restrictions. You know, they're yeah. able to have workouts, but nobody from the outside can come in. But, uh, you know, that's, I think, a, a key piece of how Coach Fuse continue to, you know, elevate and keep that culture at such a high level. You mentioned before we came on, Dan, especially with Scorebook Live covering the state of Washington, uh, Nolan Hickman just committed to Kentucky a few days ago. So you have got to see him and, and know his game well. What is Kentucky getting? when he makes his way to Lexington. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that this before uh, we, we jump off because I've seen him on a number of occasions. And uh, I know Calipari, he knows guard play. You know, Derek Rose at Memphis, John Wall, Bledsoe at, at Kentucky. Um, Nolan Hickman might not be the athlete that Wall in particular and Derek Rose are, but – at the end of the day, what point guards are the, as good athletes as those two? But Nolan Hickman's IQ, which is something Tony and I have kind of really stressed in this conversation and his fundamentals, are, are next level. I mean, I, wow. I saw him play this, this past season um, against O'Day, which is where the player who I mentioned is going to go to Duke, 
Um, it was O'Day versus Eastside Catholic a season ago. It was the, the, probably the best high school game I've been to in years. Um, Banchero's going to Duke. You would think he's going to dominate the game. And he got his 25 points, 13 rebounds, whatever it is. But Nolan Hickman controlled the game. I don't remember how many points he had. It might have been 26, 27. But anytime a big decision needed to get made or, you know, a defensive stop had to be to get done, he was involved in the play, whether it was scoring himself or, or setting up just an offensive set at the right time, controlling the tempo. Um, he had it all that night. And I've seen him uh, on another occasion in, in a more of a camp type setting. And I, and I thought the same thing. So um, I think Calipari did a phenomenal job getting him to commit. I, I think the Kentucky fans are really going to like having Nolan Hickman in Lexington. Yeah, appreciate you giving Big Blue Nation some insight on that. I just got one last quick question because I know you got to go. I asked Tony this a few episodes back because you guys have worn so many hats. You know, <laughs> when you go in your man cave, Dan, to say you're going to watch the NBA playoffs tonight, what hat do you watch under? Do you watch under the former player hat, the coach hat, the analyst hat, or as a fan? How do you sit and kick back and watch games? Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question. I like that question. I, I think, you know, if it's just me, I think I sit back and watch it um, as a as a fan, like reflecting, like, um, hey, that was a great play. Oh, that was tremendous. Um, I think if I'm watching it with my boys, my oldest boy's fourteen, my youngest boy's eight. I, I think I kind of watch it as a coach because I want them to look at it both as a fan, get excited over the big plays, but also, you know, if you see a defensive rotation that's missed, hey, guys, let's rewind this 15 seconds. Where should he have been? Because we've done that on occasion as well. So if I'm with my boys, it's half fan, half coach. If I'm by myself, it's probably as a fan. Um, you know, as an analyst, you know, I, I enjoy – doing the analysts on the college side better than the NBA um, just because of the general overall excitement of being in those atmospheres. And I know Tony, you do some, some work with uh, I think the SEC network and, and I'm not sure where you lay on that, but um, you know, it, it's fun to at times look at the game in different ways. You're right. Yeah. It's just always interesting for you guys that have done so many things. Just, just how you how you take it all in, and one thing too on your on your podcast on the ISO, Dan. I, I listen. It's cool how all you guys remember certain things about different guys that cause you you problems or give you trouble. Tony, you a few episodes back, you mentioned Daryl Wilson from Mississippi State, like it was just <laughs> y'all used to go at it, right? And Dan emailed me and talked about how much trouble you were for him to guard Tony. Michael Red comes on Dan's podcast talking about I hated chasing you around because you were small and quick. All you got <laughs> so many things that you still yep. remember from the days that you used to go at it, and and those little memories are still there. So it's always cool hearing y'all talk about that. Well, I think most of it, and Dan can contest this. You know, we all are fans of each other. You know, when you can make it to the highest level, uh, although we always competing. You know, when we step on the court, you know, I'm. You know, when I watch a player like Dan, just a smart, intelligent player, he knew how to play. There is nothing better as I've gotten older or even when I was playing with, with good players, you know, or on a good team, is when you have good players, it makes the game easy, man. Because now 
I'm not working for two or three different players. You know, I'm like, man, I got to work for this guy over here. He's not, he's not taking care of his responsibility. But when you have players, when they step on the court and they know what their job, they, what their job is and responsibility are, it makes the job easier. And that's one of the reasons why you see so many, some of these successful teams and so many guys like a big three want to play together because they know if we got three guys, we, we can basically neutralize some of the things that one player do. And two players, you know, you still have a problem. But when you can put three talented, high-level, first-tier players together, you will have a problem because you can't shut down all three guys. And that's what the, you know, mostly, most of these talented high school guys are figuring out. And that's one of the reasons why they want to play together. We're like, you know, it's easier when I'm playing with good talent because most of this talent is going to these prep schools. So they're getting a chance to play with elite-level uh, competition. But also they understand that, you know, this is only going to elevate my game. And plus, it's going to definitely, like a player like Dan, is going to challenge your IQ. So you can't be one of those players that out there second guessing. Like, he needs you to know right away, what do you do well? I'm going to make this game easy for you. I need you to get open, you know. So some guys, you know, they lead by example. Some guys lead through their voice. Some guys lead through through hard work. So you got to figure out where you, where you fit in that. And then when you have a player like Dan – I mean, he just made the game easy for all his teammates, and that's one of the reasons why so many players enjoy playing with him. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, this kind of second a lot of what you're talking there, Tony, is when you're one of those 425 guys, whatever it's in the NBA, you're watching those games of everybody over and over and over and over again, and then you're competing against them night in and night out. But you have to, like, know each guy's game just well enough Right. So that if you get out on a closeout, you need to know what their, their true strengths and weaknesses are, right. you know, to try to take one or two things away. Because you're not going to ever take it away from the best players in the world. You're just right. trying to limit some of the things that they can do to give yourself an advantage. Um, and I like the way you kind of put that. So I would agree. It, it, Danny, it is, it's been fun reconnecting like with a Michael Red or, or with Tony, like, like you just mentioned, about kind of little details within the game about each other. Yeah, and I could talk to y'all all day, but I know you got to pick your son up and, and time out and squeeze it in and jumped on the podcast before you had to back on parental duties and, and getting the kids back. <laughs> we appreciate you, Dan. Yes, sir. I'm always dropping knowledge. Look, it's the ISO and scorebooklive.com. Y'all check Dan out on these Believe Podcast streets just like we are, and, and we're having a blast doing it as we do it. Make sure you send Dan my information so we can be in contact. And Dan, like I said, whenever you have a yeah. show, man, just send me, send me a link and uh, we'll make this happen. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to have you on. So appreciate it, guys. Take care. Okay. Take care. Have a good one. Yep. Okay, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot, y'all. Okay. and myself on another episode of Believe in Kentucky, Believe Podcast Networks, BVN. Take care. We'll see y'all next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.